Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. So my family is, uh, is uh, well, I say my family, but usually it's really mostly my mother and my wife. They're very, very... Uh, fond of finding recipes to detox your body. And then they find these recipes and they make me drink them. And they're not very good. But they're all over the place and people are doing them all over the place. Like, this is the liver detox. Beets, apples, cucumbers, lemons, and greens. Apparently, you just grind that up and drink that, and that will detox your liver. There's more. This is a gallbladder, gallbladder, blotter, gallbladder detox. Olive oil, herbs, and fruit juice. It gets worse. This is a colon detox. Apple juice, lemon juice, ginger, and sea salt. And this baby right here is the kidney detox. I've done two of these. They are not fun. The kidney detox is celery, carrots, cucumbers, beets, apples, and oranges. And what you're apparently supposed to do is you ingest these things um, in juice form. And it's supposed to clean out the particular internal organ that it's designed to clean out. And when you take it, I've done the kidney one. I have not done the, the gallbladder one. But the kidney one, apparently when you take it, it flushes all of the toxins out of your system when you take it long enough and it cleans everything up so everything is fresh and clean and brand spanking new as it can be. And this is really very popular right now. Some of you have probably done them. And, um, you know, it's an interesting thing because a lot of people swear by them. And if you look online, you can find all of these recipes and more. And we're really, really, like, we're really, really conscious about the things that we do to clean our body. But a lot of times we're not conscious about the things that we need to do to clean and to detox our soul. And so we're starting a series today called Soul Detox, and a, large, a lot of it is based on, on a book by the same name by Craig Rochelle, who is a pastor out in the Midwest. And, um, and Soul Detox is, is uh, for four weeks, what we're going to be looking at is how do we detox our souls? And it's all based on this one premise and this mind shift uh, that we all have to make because if we don't, it's going, to, it's going to affect the way that we look at our soul and who we really are. Because for many of us, what we believe is that we are a body and that we have a soul. But in actuality, we are not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. We are a soul with a body. That's our first slide. We are not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. Now, think about that for a minute. Because for many of us, our perspective is not that we are a 
soul with a body. Our perspective is, is that we are a body, that this is who we are, and that part of that was a soul. But that's not what it is. We are a soul with a body. That our body, this outer covering that we, we have on us, will eventually go away. It'll eventually die, but the soul will continue to live on. So scripture talks about this. In Genesis 2-7, um, it, it talks about, and this is the very beginning of the book, and for those of you who, who may not have grown up uh, reading scripture or, or have grown up in church, Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and in the first part of the first book, it tells the, the story of, of how God created the world. And in the second chapter of that book, um, the writer says this. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man... And, and this is mankind, not man like one particular male person, but mankind. He formed man, the man, from the dust of the ground. That that was the outer covering. And then it says, he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Now, if all we see is that, then it kind of makes sense. But I want you to take you a little bit deeper into this because this is where the soul part makes a difference. You see, in the in the translation where they say, a, not yet, in the translation when they say a living person, what the implication there is is that the person finally became whole, a whole person, when it was the body combined with the breath of God. But that phrase that's translated into English as living person is the Hebrew word uh, or the Hebrew phrase nefesh chaya. Nefesh chaya. That's translated as living person, but the actual literal translation of nefesh chaya is living soul. That God created man and he became a living soul. We are not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. And let me tell you why that matters. My wife was asking me what, where I wanted to go for dinner tonight. Actually, this was part of a larger conversation that I had with my entire family about where we were going to go to dinner tonight. And I wanted to go to Korean barbecue. I know. So good. And if you've never been to Korean barbecue, Korean barbecue is you sit at a table and in the center of the table there's a grill and they bring you uncooked meat and then you cook it yourself as much as you want and and you eat it and it is, if you go to the right place, one of the most amazing experiences of your life. Wow, I'm really talking about food way too much. All right, so um, Korean barbecue, I love it. But here's the thing about Korean barbecue that I don't like. I, have to, I had learned over the years, after going to many of them, that you have to make sure that you wear the right clothing when you go to Korean barbecue. Because when you're there, the smoke and the grease and all of those delicious aromas all get absorbed into your clothes, into your hair, into the inside of your nostrils. I mean, it's just all over you. But when you're there, you don't really notice it. You notice it when you get into the car or when you get home and you think, boy, I'm going to wear this jacket one more time and you smell it and it smells like greasy deliciousness, but still greasy, (laughs) right? Because even though you didn't understand what was happening around you, it permeated in you and it sticks with you. 
Now, Korean barbecue is delicious, and maybe you like having that smell. But I remember when I was um, in college down in Southern California, uh, Las Vegas was like a three-hour drive. And so we would go to Vegas all the time. And one of the things that I knew and noticed back then was that when I walked, and this is... This was quite a few years ago before Las Vegas became a family destination. And uh, so it was mostly people who were not there with their families. And so you would walk into a casino and right as soon as you opened the doors, this big, huge wall of smokiness would hit you. You'd walk in and it would just smell like smoke. And it was one of the things that I really didn't like about going into casinos was that there was just this wall of smoke that you would walk into. And it was everywhere. And, and I didn't particularly care for it, but it was in every single casino. And when you walked in, you knew it right away. But you know what would happen to everybody? Is that over time, and oftentimes it was just in a few minutes, you totally f- forgot that it was there. You didn't smell it anymore. You didn't even notice it. But the entire time that you're there, you are breathing in all of those toxins. You are breathing in all of that poison. And you don't even recognize that that is what's happening to you because it's all around you. It's surrounding you. The same thing happens to our souls. That when we are in a culture that is so toxic and so poisonous that it's all around us. It's all around us on television, in movies, in music, on social media. That for in the beginning, it hits us and we say, whoa, what is this? I don't understand it anymore. But you and I know very well that there are things that we see on television today that 10 years ago wouldn't have made it. That there are things that we see in the movies, there are lyrics that we hear on the radio that years ago wouldn't have been able to get there. But today we've become numb to it. And because it's surrounding us in the same way that the smoke from the casino came into our bodies, those secondhand toxins from our culture are coming inside us. And in the same way that our body needs to detox, our souls need to detox too. We are not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. So in this series, what we're going to be looking at is we're going to be looking at the tortured soul. And we're going to do that next week. And then after that, we're going to be looking at the seduced soul um, and the, uh, the heavy soul. But today... I want us to talk a little bit about the restless soul, the restless soul. And many of us struggle with this. We struggle with having a restless soul. In fact, many of us who struggle with it don't even recognize that that's what it is. In in that same book where it talks about the beginning of the world and how God created it, and right in uh, in a couple of chapters later, it talks about the first family that existed. And there were two brothers. And some of you who grew up in church, you know this story. Uh, It's a story about two brothers named Cain and Abel. And and they brought their offerings to God. And one of them did it the way God asked them to do it. And God honored them. And the other one didn't. And so one killed the other. And God talked to the one, to the murderer. He talked to him and he said this. Now, and this is Genesis 4. He says, now, because of what you've done, now you are under a curse and driven from the ground which opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield the crops for you. 
it will be, you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. You'll have a restless soul. You're always searching, but you're never finding. You're interested in everything, but you are satisfied by nothing. And for many of us, we understand that we need rest for our bodies, but rarely do we think about getting rest for our souls. And you've experienced this. Let me tell you how I experience it. I experience it when I'm in bed at night and I don't want to turn the television off. Because I know what it's like when it's quiet. When it's quiet, I can hear my mind going. I can hear myself thinking about all of the things that I forgot to do that day. All of the things that I need to do tomorrow. Wondering if there is a pen inside my nightstand so I can write some notes of things that I forgot that I need to make sure that I take care of in the future. That conversation that I wished I had said something slightly different. That phone call that I should have made, but now it's too late to make it. You have an inability to shut down inside. Even when your body is trying to rest, your soul won't let you rest. Your brain is always running. It's going, it's going 24 hours a day. And you lay there and you can't sleep. It's weird because for me personally, I'm in this season right now. And um, uh, I am on track based on my commitments through the end of this year. I'm on track to preach 72 times this year. 72 times. Um, and that's if nothing else comes up on my calendar. Uh, I am teaching three days a week. Um, I am working on a graduate degree. I was really running out of space in my head. And I made a decision at the beginning of this summer that I was going to take some time off. And some things, family things happened, and my two weeks off turned into one week. And so I took a week off. And I told myself that this was going to be the week that I was going to decompress. That's why I wasn't here last week. I was just going to relax, unwind. I was going to... Let myself have time with God. And I made the mistake of bringing my computer. And technology, it is a blessing, but it is also a curse. And what I found was, was that in spite of my deep desire to want to find rest, I could not resist getting onto my computer every day and doing some work because of a restlessness in my soul. I recognized it. Solomon talks about this. Solomon, who, who, who uh, uh, his life was recorded in Scripture and, and who wrote a couple of books in Scripture, he said it like this, and maybe you can identify with what he's talking about, because I know that I can. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, So what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? Can you relate to hard work and anxiety? What do people get in this life? It says their labors are filled, their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. Are there any of you here who even at night, your mind can't rest? You can't shut down? You can't find rest? Have you ever gone on vacation for a week, two weeks, and come back and you were more tired after the vacation than you were before you left? 
I mean, we think of vacation as a time where we can relax and rejuvenate. And I know too many people who come back and they're wound up tighter than when they left. God does not want us to live this way. And in the same way that I think every one of us here would acknowledge that our body needs rest, our soul needs rest too. So the big question is this. Where do we find the rest for our souls? And I am going to give you, and I know some of you are going to have the, the um, you're going to have this urge to roll your eyes when I tell you this. Um, and fortunately, those of you who are watching us online, I can't see you roll your eyes. But I am going to give you the, what you would expect to be the pastor answer for how does our soul find rest? Our soul finds rest in God alone. Now, hang with me especially if you're a little bit skeptical. Because David, King David, who was one of the ancient kings of Israel, King David had a soul that was unrested. He had a soul that was burdened. And the beautiful thing about King David was that his relationship with God was so close that he documented every single thing that he said and felt when it came to his relationship with God. And so that years later, we can look at it because the same things that that we feel today, he was feeling in that time. And the same responses that God had to David then is the same things that God is talking to you and me about today. Our souls find rest in God alone. Listen to what David wrote. He says, truly, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. So no other person, experience, dream, nothing in this world can give you the internal rest that you need like God can. But here, living in the United States, living in the Bay Area, we are fooled into thinking that we can find rest in the things that we can do. So what do we do? We go out and we try to work really hard to build up our bank account, to make sure that our 401ks are big enough because we think that we can find that rest if we can just get to this place financially. There's some of you who are thinking, man, I just need to get married because when I get married, I'm going to get to that place relationally and then I'll be able to find rest. Emotionally, that we can get there and I'll be able to find rest. Anytime we put our dependence on anything other than God, what we're going to find is that all of those things can be taken away. All of them. That's why whenever there's a a big, huge meltdown in the market, you always hear of these people who are very, very wealthy who take their lives. Because everything that they had relied upon for their life was in something other than God. And if we put our dependence on money, on relationships, on power, on fame, on the number of followers that we have. If that is where our dependence is, we will always lose. We'll never, ever be able to rest. Jesus said it this way. He, the, Matthew, who was one of his, his friends, one of his followers, recorded this, and this is Jesus talking, and he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. All you who are weary and burdened. A lot of us today are weary and burdened. And one of the things that happens to us when we are weary and we're burdened is that we find it hard to show love to the people that we love the most. 
that the people who we love the most in our lives are the ones who bear the brunt of the fact that we are weary and we are burdened. Because we know they'll forgive us. We know that they're not going anywhere. And they end up paying the price for it. And so Jesus says, listen, if this is you, if you are weary, if you are burdened, come to me and listen to what he says, and I will give you rest. Now, I used to read this all the time. I used to hear people say this verse all the time. And I'm thinking, okay, I get a breather. I get rest. But listen to what he says. Because this, in the next verse, he tells us something very, very important. He says, take my yoke. Now, in this time period, that word yoke, um, it, it was much more common because the yoke was the, was the bar that they put across the oxen or, or the, the, the cattle that, 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 that the, they would use to pull a plow or to pull a cart. Right? The yoke was the thing that the animal bore in order to pull something. But this word yoke, in this context, they also used the word yoke to talk about the teachings of a particular rabbi. See, each rabbi, there were many rabbis at this time. Rabbis were teachers. And they had all, all of the rabbis had disciples. And each, each rabbi had their own particular take on their interpretation of Scripture on how you were to understand who God was and what God required. And so Jesus is saying, listen, I know that you have heard, like many of us have, you've heard your entire life that it is all about what you can do to earn your way to God. But I have got a new yoke, a new philosophy, a new set of beliefs. And if you take my yoke, how I am teaching you to understand who God is, if you take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Listen to what, I, what he says. If you take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, the rest that he's talking about is not the rest for your body. It is the rest of your soul. So how do we find rest? Well, today I want to talk about three ways that Scripture teaches us that we can find rest for our soul. And the first thing is this, to be still before God. David writes this because David had an interesting life. David was a king. He was a servant. David was a person who commanded armies, but also ran for his life and, and hid for his life. And so David says, listen, I know how to do this. He says, be still and know that I am God. This is him recording what God told him. God says, be still and know that I am God. Now, this is what I believe, because this is how I read it. I read it and I say, say be still and know that I am God. And that word and, when you say it, it kind of sounds like the word then. And so I read this and maybe many of you have too. I read this and I, I think in my mind, even though that's not the word, I think it says, be still, then you'll know that I'm God. Like in the stillness somehow, that's when I'm going to figure out that he is God. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, be still knowing that I am God. That in that stillness, be still knowing that I am God. Be still. Pause. Wait. Be still. 
So for some of us, our minds are going so fast that we can't be still. Have you ever had um, been someplace, like at somebody's house, or maybe even in your own house, where there's a little kid who's gotten a lot of energy, and he's running around, and he's making lots of noise, and you can't concentrate on anything? And the parents are trying to have a conversation with you, and they're talking like it's no big deal, but you can't even focus on what they're saying because that little kid is running around? When the distractions in our life start running around that, like that little kid, it's impossible for us to focus. And we have to be able to take control. Listen to what David says here. He says, Jehovah, or Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too wonderful for me. So he starts off by acknowledging that there are things that he just doesn't understand that only God does. And then he says this, Surely I have stilled and quieted my soul. You see, God didn't still and quiet his soul. David did. I stilled and quieted my soul. And then he says this, just like a weaned child with his mother. Now, what's he trying to say here? Because this seems like a a weird uh, picture to, to have. What he's talking about here is that when a ch- before a child is weaned, everything that he gets, he gets from his mother, and he has to go there on his own. In the same way that all of us have this stuff that is in our lives, that busyness that surrounds us in our lives, and we have to be able to get there. We have to be able to have all of those things, like, like as a, the same way that a child has to go to his mother for food. But once a child is weaned off of that, once a child no longer needs that, In the same way that if we can find a place where we no longer need to be engrossed by the busyness, that we can be still. He says, like a weaned child is my soul within me, but I have stilled and quieted my soul. So we have to be still before God. But the next thing is, is that we have to wait for God. David says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. We want the noise to fill every gap. And David says, listen, you have to wait. And we don't like to wait. We, we, we don't like to wait for anything. Many of us don't even know how to wait. You know, our prayer is, Lord, give me patience, but I want it right now. Because we don't want to wait. David says, I, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits And in his word, I put my hope. In his word, I put my hope. How do you hear from God? One of the greatest ways to hear from God is to open up the Bible and to read. And this is one of the reasons why I'm not a huge fan of Bible reading plans. Now, if you need to get, you want to get through the Bible in a year, uh, so you get a Bible reading plan and you follow it carefully, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But the reason that I'm not a fan of it is because I think that when you read through with a plan, that you have a mission, and that is to read those chapters that day. And you leave out the ability of God to speak to you while you're reading. Because you're thinking, I've got to finish reading these chapters instead of, God, what is it that you are trying to say to me? And so even to say, hey, I'm going to take five minutes just to 
let the word of God come into me so that I can hear from God and what he's doing. Listen, God is going to take care of the rest of the world for the five minutes that you're spending with him. He can do it. In that same, in that same uh, verse, it goes on and he says, My soul, and this is David, he's still talking, My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. Now, the picture, this is the picture he's painting. In his kingdom, there are watchmen. They're on the towers, they're outside the doors, and they are watching out for enemies who come at night. They're the watchmen, right? But they're not waiting for the enemies. They're watching for the enemies. What are they waiting for? They are waiting for the morning. They're waiting for the sun to come up. Because what they know is, is that the sun always comes up. Whether it, it, it is a night that seems like it's dragging on forever, or it's a night that goes by so fast that you don't even know what happened, they know that at the end of that night, the sun is always going to come up, just as it always has. No doubt, no question. And so David is telling us here, listen, his soul waits for the Lord because what he knows is that just as the sun will come up, God is going to show up. Just as the sun will come up after the night, God will always show up after the night that we experience in our lives the same way. And so we wait on God the same way, with the same expectation that the night is going to end and that God is going to show up. And in that wait, in that time, we ask, what is, God ask, what is God trying to say to me now? What is God trying to show me now? What is, what is God trying to do in me now? And finally, the third thing is this. After we be still before God, after we wait for God, we reflect on God's goodness. Because in the temptation to only think about the things that we still have to do, we can't forget to think about the things that God has already done. David writes this in Psalm 116. He says, Be at rest once more, O my soul. Be at rest o my, for, once more, O my soul. And then he tells us why. For the Lord has been good to you. We get rest in our soul from reflecting on what God has done for us. He says, For you, O Lord, have delivered me. For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whether it's, it's, it's physical, that if we find the way to rest in God, if we can just take that that, that time that the world tells us that we can't afford to take. See, the world is whispering into our ear, especially if you are about to do it. Like you say, tell yourself, hey, okay, today I'm going to take time. I'm going to spend five minutes with God. The world tells you that if you take that five minutes with God, you're going to lose time and not be able to do other things that are even more important. And the reality is this is that you will live a more productive and peaceful life with calm in your soul, with a healthy soul, more than you ever will by trying to grind it out 
every single day. So what I want to do is I want to give you Scripture's prescription to detox your soul. And it's this. This is a five-minute timer. It's just five minutes. That's all it is. Five minutes. Five minutes for you to still the busyness around you, to still and quiet your soul and give God a chance to talk to you, to communicate with you, to do something in you. You see, I think that I think that Satan looks at us and says, if I can't make you evil, I'm going to make you busy. And for many of us, that's what he's done. That's what has distracted us from being a part of what God wants to do, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of our family and in the lives of our community. Is that he's keeping us busy. And that busyness is keeping our mind busy. And we have trouble even taking five minutes. I'll tell you, this isn't easy. I've tried this. Years ago, I tried, and I had a timer out. It was one of those kitchen timers for five minutes. And I just said, okay, I'm going to take five minutes, and I am going to reflect on God. And I couldn't do it. For five minutes, I couldn't do it. Because you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about the laundry that had to be done, the bills that had to be paid, the lawn that had to be mowed, the kids that had to be picked up. You know, so many things start coming into your life, into your mind, about your life. But if we can just be still before God, wait on Him, and reflect on His goodness, even for five minutes, we can allow God to detox our souls. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.